The, the pressure, so because you're in the dry suit, there's a lot of pressure kind of around you and think of a Ziploc bag, you know, sucking out all the air and whatever food in there is like vacuum sealed and oh, I'd be the food. So oh my gosh. everything is just <laughs> and it's really hard to, to, to pee. Yeah, it, it's a weird experience. So I ended up kind of being topside and leaning over, like kind of humping the side of the boat and just like, <laughs> leaning my leg over and kind of pissing out the hose that way. Oh my gosh, I would be, honestly, I'd be so bad because I like, again, TMI, but I pee so often, like I pee so much. I would be a terrible diver. I would, or like my suit would just be filled with pee. Welcome back to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. Today I am joined by Keenan Chan. Keenan is a marine ecologist, scientific diver, and avid landscape and surf photographer. He's super talented and really good at his craft. And honestly, I found this episode so informative. I knew nothing about marine biology or scientific diving, and it was great to learn about a new industry that I had no idea about. So even if you're not planning on going into anything marine biology related, because I'm not, it's always fun to get to learn something new. And in this episode, Keenan just chats about how he got into his craft, um, the common misconceptions of marine biology and scientific diving. He also shares some really funny stories in the field. I really enjoyed seeing with Keenan. He's a super nice and genuine guy, and he's actually friends with my sister, and so that's how I know him. And they both lived in Ireland together. So this episode was super fun and lighthearted, and I hope you enjoy. I'm here with Keenan Chan. Keenan is 28 years old. He's born and raised in California. He is a marine ecologist, scientific diver, and avid photographer. He did an undergrad at UC Santa Cruz in marine biology, and he has experience working at the U.S. National Park Services as a diver. And then more recently, he was working in Ireland, working as a full-time marine ecologist and scientific diver. And I thought it'd be interesting to have him on because I feel like to the public and to me personally, I think my marine biologists lead this glamorous life, diving on distant reefs, studying exotic marine animals, and fending off sharks. While some of this could be true. I imagine there's also really long days and travel to sometimes be in convenient places and frequently not enough income. Um, and I think marine biology jobs seem really hard to get and very competitive. So I'm really excited to speak with you, Keenan, more about the industry. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So I want to start off first, um, the basics. What's the difference between marine biology and marine ecology and which one are you more focused on? So I went to university for um, marine biology, but I would consider myself more of a marine ecologist now because um, I, I like to look at more of the ecosystem as a whole um, instead of just a specific species. So um, I think they're somewhat interchangeable. I, I generally associate a marine biologist with somebody kind of studying a specific species. Um, so maybe they're looking at whales specifically, or maybe they're looking at um, you know, invertebrates specifically, whereas I generally look at more of the ecosystem interactions as a whole. Cool. And what interested you so much about marine biology and like what were your dreams and goals in terms of career when you were growing up? I mean, I think, I think as a kid, I was, I was always like fascinated by aquariums and like, you know, I'll be honest, I, I loved SeaWorld as a kid. <laughs> um, obviously there's some issues with that now and stuff that have come to light, but, um, I just really liked the ocean and the animals that lived within it. I didn't necessarily, I wasn't super confident in or around the ocean as a kid, 
but I was still fascinated by, by all the life that was, you know, in it and around it. And then, so I just kind of thought that that might be a good career path, um, in, and went to college for that. And then at college, I kind of developed a greater love and appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. And what were you kind of expecting post college after your, your undergrad? Were you feeling confident that you could secure a job or were you kind of worried? I mean, I think, so I would say before going to university, I wasn't entirely sure what my career path would be. Um, I didn't really know all the, I guess, options that there were as a you know marine biologist. But after going to, and, and while I was going uh, to UC Santa Cruz, I found this great option, which was scientific diving. And so with that, I, I was able to do quite a few different, or I guess a lot of different options opened up with scientific diving that wouldn't have been an option as a, as a marine ecologist um, without that. Yeah. So what is scientific diving? How much certification do you need to do? Cause in my mind, I'm just like, you like wear your wetsuit, you just kind of go in and like <laughs> look at like marine life, but what is it really? Yeah. I mean, well, that's essentially it. It's, it's mm-hmm. glorified. Um, I, I like to tell people that my job is glorified counting. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think the best way to describe it is Dr. Seuss's book, one fish, blue fish, two fish, whatever. That's, that's essentially like what I do in a nutshell. To, in order to be a scientific diver, I needed to get my um, open water basic certification, then my advanced, um, then my rescue. And then as part of my master diver, that was um, <clears throat> my scientific diving course. And so that was a, an individual separate course um, that was taught at UC Santa Cruz. And yeah, I mean, I guess scientific diving is pretty much a way for, for scientists to accomplish, you know, their, their scientific questions. So they would hire someone like me to collect information, the data that they want to, to figure out in their, in their study, I guess is, that's kind of the easiest way to describe it. (laughs) Cool. And what's, what are some of the more like unique um, and coolest like diving spots you've been to? So part of my um, undergraduate course was um, I had an option once I was certified as a scientific diver to do a field course in, in the kelp force of Monterey. And then there was another one that I could do, which was going to Corsica, which is an island in the Mediterranean, and do, do research there. And so I actually did both. And those were my senior thesis projects. And so I think that kind of the, the Mediterranean was a really interesting place because it was so so different than the ecosystems along the California coast, which I was so used to. I'm used to kelp, kelp forests that extend all the way to the surface. And in the Mediterranean, you have pretty relatively barren landscapes with, you know, seagrass on the bottom. Very cool. Yeah, interesting. And what are some of the more common misconceptions about your line of work that most people think of? Let's see, some misconceptions. I mean, I think that people think that it's a super, like, sexy job and like, you know, you're badass doing a whole bunch of, you know, like really cool things. But, you know, the reality is, um, I mean, it is a really cool job, uh, but it's a dirty, it's a messy, it's, it's a long, long hours um, kind of job. Um, so, you know, I'll wake up at the crack of dawn, go and help prepare the, the sampling equipment, whether it's a boat or just the gear for scuba diving. Um, and then we'll transport all that to our dive site, which could take hours. And then we do the dive. And then after the dive, you have to come back and break it all down, clean it up to make sure that, you know, it doesn't 
get all ruined and stuff. And then, and then when you're done with that, then you still have to process all the samples. So they tend to be really long days. They can be miserable, but I, I kind of, I kind of love the misery. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask like, what do you enjoy the most about it? And then what do you like dislike that you're like, I don't, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I think that, I mean, I, I enjoy all of it. I, I really do. Um, it's, it's tough work and you know, you're outside, which is exactly what I want. I, I want to avoid being at a desk as long as possible. But the stuff that I think that I enjoy least would be, it tends to be seasonal type work because it's hard to dive. Um, so the jobs tend to be six months at a time or this last one that I did was a year. But yeah, they tend to be in kind of a few months at a time stints. And so the hard part is to, I guess, kind of constantly be applying to different jobs, finding different jobs that you're interested in. It's, it's rare to find a scientific diving position or a marine ecologist position with diving that is a permanent position. It, it's, it's hard. Okay, yeah. So how do you find out about like new positions and why did you decide to go to Ireland? Was it that specific job? Yeah, I mean, I think that with, with this community, with the scientific diving community and you know, marine biology as a whole, I think that you know, obviously you need to have the skills you know, have the resume that is what people want. But I think that a lot of it is also knowing people. The connections that I've made were critical to, to getting the jobs that I've, I've gotten. I mean, I wouldn't have gotten probably half the jobs that I've gotten unless I knew somebody who knew somebody kind of thing. Um, and so that has helped a lot. Uh, in terms of the Ireland job, though, it's, it's funny. My, my boss for that uh, position actually went to UC Santa Cruz as well. And so she sent out a message to our DSO, which is our diving safety officer from UC Santa Cruz. And he sent out an email to the listserv of all the scientific divers. And so I, I applied to that. And it turned out that she lives like 15 minutes away from my parents' house, which is pretty funny. Small uh, world. <laughs> yeah, small world. And then, you know, we met over in Ireland. So, so what about um, like working and then traveling abroad? How was it like? culturally differently and how was your experience there overall I think that it was I'm super glad that I did it because it's super um it was different for sure I, I was used to so I had worked at um a university before and I had worked for the government but working for a university in Ireland was a bit different just with the kind of the rules and regulations that they had for scientific diving and actually there weren't that was the issue there weren't really any um, so my boss had to kind of make a program out of nothing there, which was hard. There was a lot of roadblocks and it made me really appreciate programs here in the U S that are very well established and have, you know, decades worth of experience getting the work done legally and, and all that stuff. So that, that was, I think, a challenge in Ireland to work with people who hadn't kind of experienced working as a scientific diver. I mean, my boss was, you know, obviously well, well aware and, and well practiced in that, but most other people were not. Mm. And what about with like, when you went to Ireland, you kind of knew it would be short term or like it wouldn't be maybe longer than a year. So what about when like building friendships, relationships, connections, whatnot, like how, how did you go about that? Cause I know when I went on exchange, um, I went to Stockholm, but it was only for four months. So when I was making friendships, I was like, I may never see you again, but like this friendship was really great to, you know, in the moment. But what about for you when you were there for a year? Yeah. Like, how did you go about like building those connections? I mean, I guess I didn't really think of it as like, oh, I have a, I have a time limit on like how long we could be friends. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to like, 
I think with with today's you know interconnectivity of uh, you know social media and all that stuff, it's mm-hmm. easy to still still stay in touch with people. So I wasn't concerned about losing touch with people. I have friends you know that I've made and and moved away from um, physically just because of distance and stuff. But that doesn't that hasn't stopped me from you know staying in touch. Um, so I wasn't concerned or like trying to you know not make too many friends or like anything like that. Um, and I, I think that with with this job or these types of jobs, I, I tend to rely a lot on the the friends that I, I make it work. You tend to work long hours and in close contact with your coworkers, and so you you end up being friends, or you hope at least um, being friends with with your coworkers. And that definitely happened in Ireland. And because I was at a university in Ireland, I embraced like all the the clubs and societies that they had joining the scuba club and joining the, um, the hiking mountaineering club. Um, cause I like, you know, to hike and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And so that helped me meet a lot of people. Yeah, that's awesome. And I want to talk a little bit about your photography cause you have really amazing photography and I'll, I'll link your page so people can see cause it's really beautiful. But, um, yeah. How did you get into that? And like, I think you said it was more just like a, as a hobby when we chatted, but like, do you see that ever becoming like a freelance career? Where do you see your photography business going? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I've definitely been interested in photography for a long time, but, you know, it would be like taking tons of film photos with those disposable cameras as a kid and making my parents develop it, develop it for things. It's expensive. (laughs) (laughs) But then I think, you know, I, I got more of an appreciation for it in high school. I bought my first SLR and worked for like the school newspaper. And then in, in college, it was kind of a nice break from the science you know, to be able to have a little creative outlet. And so I, I kind of started taking it a bit more seriously then and was getting, you know, a few photos used by some publications, uh, mainly surf stuff. And, you know, I, I, I think my goal with um, photography is I would love to connect my, you know, marine biology and, and diving with with photography. I mean, I think that I get to see a lot of cool things um, underwater and, or just, you know, just in general, I guess, from the places that I go. And I think that it really would be cool to, to share some of those experiences and, and scenes that I see with other people that might not be able to, to see them otherwise. So I would really like to, I guess, integrate the two to be able to kind of help scientists tell their story because I think that scientific communication is really challenging now. Nobody wants to read a scientific paper. I don't. <laughs> uh, they're long and they're boring. And yes. for the average person, they don't mean anything really. You know, they use a bunch right. of big words that are, are super specific to that field. And I think pictures really help kind of tell a story that might get lost in all the, the words of a paper. Yeah, that's that's that'll be really cool. Like, I think you'll probably need like specific equipment. Do you have any of those equipments, like cameras, to like take fo- photos underwater? Yeah, uh, I don't have my own underwater scuba housing. I have a, a surf housing for the surf photography that I do. I have all my own cameras and stuff like that. But my goal is to soon. Um, I'm in touch with somebody right now, actually, uh, to get a, a scuba housing for my camera so I can um, take photos underwater. But I've been fortunate to work for a different companies or, or whatever that um, uh, have had their own underwater systems. 
Nice. So I see a lot that you're doing a lot of like landscape photography, surfing and stuff. Um, why specifically surfing? And is it just for your own pleasure or are you taking it for those like specific surfers? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think I, well, first off, I, I guess I kind of got serious with the surfing photography and because I was having some success with, you know, local publications and um, some online outlets and stuff, you know, you kind of get that like, Oh, I, I can do this, you know, and, and you're kind of, you're stoked by, by seeing your work published. And so that was, that has been cool. And, um, I still continue to do surf photography. The waves are really big right now. Um, and have been, it's been like one of the biggest days out of Mavericks a couple of days ago. So I went um, and took photos with the surfing. I, I sometimes go out, um, with the idea of, of shooting a friend that I've met, you know, through, through surfing and the idea would be to get their shots, you know, run somewhere. Um, but, I mean, I definitely do it because I enjoy it. As with, I guess, everything I do, I wouldn't really do it if I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes I just go out to shoot for fun. Um, other times it's to, you know, because I have a goal in mind of trying to get a shot, a shot published or something like that. And then with the landscape stuff, I actually got into that recently, or I guess a couple of years ago. One of my good friends is super into it and is a great landscape photographer. And so we go on trips together and it's nice because it's a completely different style of photography that um, it's just so different than the surf photography, which is more kind of photojournalistic style. You know, you go and shoot and that's very just, it is what it is, you know, documenting. Whereas the landscape stuff, I feel like it's very much um, like a curative process. You, you really want to get the, the best conditions that you can. Um, you want to set your tripod up in the exact right spot um get the right lighting it's it's very like it's more of an art i would say instead of documenting right yeah i don't know too much about surfing i interviewed a surfer koa smith and he was really informative he's he's really interesting um and i've, I've tried surfing i don't know if you've heard of tofino in mm-hmm. british columbia yeah um i'm not very good <laughs> i tried i like stood up a few times and i had like the really big the really big board like the beginning beginner board and i tried but do you surf yourself or what do you do yeah yeah, I mean, I I'm a I do surf very poorly. <laughs> so, um, I I got into surfing um, when I went to college because it was kind of the thing to do, and I had a lot of friends doing it, and it was fun. But I think that I got just as much out of it and enjoyed it just as much photographing it, um, including photographing it from the water. So I would you know toss a couple fins on and swim out there with my housing and shoot it from the water. So yeah, I think I enjoy photographing surfing just as much as I do surfing um and maybe even a bit more because you know with surfing especially in you know good waves and stuff uh it sometimes is crowded and I just hate the crowds <laughs> uh and you know every everybody's a lot better than I am and so you know you're competing for waves that they're obviously going to get and so yeah I, I think that I enjoy and get just as much out of it photographing it or swimming along with them mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's a day in the life for you now? And kind of what, where do you see your future with like marine biology photography? Like, do you have an next job lined up or what's the situation? Yeah. Um, I mean, so it's, it's kind of the, because it's winter time, generally the winter time is not the time for any kind of diving or, or any kind of scientific diving, at least. Um, it was a bit How warm a, is it now though, right now? Yeah, I think right now it's probably like so 55 ish, maybe 50 
Fahrenheit. So that's 10, 12 Celsius. Okay. That's warmer than here. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually it was funny in Ireland. So it was a bit of an anomaly there. We, we did dive throughout the, the winter. What's crazy there is they have the Gulf Stream kind of bathing, bathing the coast of Ireland in warmer-ish water. So the summers in Ireland actually had warmer water than, than um, here in, you know, off the, the coast of the central coast of California. Interesting. Interesting. Um, it was like 16 Celsius. Uh, so wow. pretty warm versus, you know, here it would be like 10 or less, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was cool to be able to, to dive year round in, in a place. Um, cause I, I don't really do too much work diving here in the wintertime. Um, so yeah, with that said, wintertime, not really diving. So I'm not working mm-hmm. right now as a, as a diver. I have a few things lined up and we'll see, you know, what, what comes of it. It's, it's all hard right now with COVID. Yeah. So right now I'm pretty much just photographing where, where I can with, uh, you know, the, the rules and stuff with, with COVID. Mm-hmm. Have you had any big, um, like, well, now what moments, hence the title of my podcast, have you been like, are you ever like worried, um, or anxious about it? Or are you kind of okay with the unknown? I think that, I mean, yes, I've definitely had those moments of, now, <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> but um, I, I think I, I try not to stress too much about it because I think that the, because of the type of work that I do and because I know that generally there are, they are short-term jobs that I don't really get too stressed about the, the future. Um, something will come up and, and yeah, I, I, I guess it doesn't help me to, to stress myself out about it. I just kind of take it day by day and just try to enjoy what I'm doing at, for the time being until the next job lines up. But um, I mean, I think that with all of us doing scientific diving as a career, we're always, you know, it's, it's a great job because we can go different places around the world or, or see really unique places, go places that people have not gone before, or, you know, you would need special access to, to go see. And so I think that's why we, we really love it and enjoy it and do it. But I think we're all kind of chasing the, the long-term, full-time job um, that is so rare in this field. And, and they're out there. Um, it's, it's kind of a waiting game to see when either a new job pops up that is permanent or um, when somebody retires. And so it is a waiting game. But I mean, for now, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely embracing the kind of nomadic life. It's nice to be able to to live in different places for a period of time and really get to know it, but also, you know, know that, you know, you're going to move on and, and have to um, see something new and, and not to get too comfortable, I guess. Mm-hmm. And do you have any like funny stories that have happened on the job, either with marine biology or like photography that you'd want to share? You know, divers are a super unique breed of people. Um, <laughs> we're all very like crude at times and, you know, I think that we pee on ourselves and, you know, I think that's the reality of it is we, we're all just very kind of upfront with that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely crude, I guess. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been told stories, hasn't happened to me, thankfully, but of people, you know, pooping in their wetsuits. Um, it happens. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, <laughs> knock on wood, it's never happened. I sure hope it doesn't. Um, I, I've, I've worked with people who we've, we've, you know, worn dry suits. And so you can't piss yourself in a dry suit um, or you'll just get pee all over your body and it stays in there. Uh, so oh, yeah, okay. so I guess 
a dry suit is basically a giant form fit plastic bag that you wear that normal clothes underneath um, to keep you warm. Kind of like I I would wear a onesie actually. Um, Okay. I mean, I'm imagining like a, you know, that like the soccer bubble balls where people play like soccer in like a big bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like, but it's not as big obviously, but like, that's what I'm picturing for some reason. Think of like, like a big, um, you know, like people like old ski videos and stuff. You would see people in like, like a onesie full jumpsuit that like, yes, it's yes. a bit bulky, but you know, mm-hmm. like bright colors and stuff like that. Yes. Yes. That's, that's kind of a dry suit. It's, it's a one piece you know, piece of clothing that's, mm-hmm. that's water, watertight. It has wrist seals and neck seals that they keep the water out and keep you, it actually doesn't keep you warm. The clothes that you wear keep you warm, but you know, it's, it's nice when you're in cold environments, but because you're in a dry suit, you can't pee yourself unless you have a special, um, like pee valve. I have a pee valve <laughs> in my dry suit. And, uh, so I have to wear, maybe too much information, but I have to wear this condom catheter. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, you know, you put it on and you connect yes. it to the tube. Um, mm-hmm. So it's an open-ended condom, I guess you can, you could describe it. And you connect mm-hmm. it to the tube that goes out of your dry suit. I tried it. Um, <laughs> I tried peeing for the first time in, in Ireland. And uh, it was probably one of the most uncomfortable experiences ever. Um, yeah, I can imagine. The, the pressure, so because you're in the dry suit, there's a lot of pressure kind of around you. Mm-hmm. And think of a Ziploc bag, you know, sucking out all the air and whatever food in there is like vacuum sealed. And oh, I'd be the food. So oh my gosh. everything is just <laughs> And it's really hard to, to, to pee. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it's a weird experience. Um, oh my gosh. So I ended up, kind of being topside and leaning over like kind of humping the side of the boat and just like, <laughs> leaning my leg over and kind of pissing out the hose that way. Oh my gosh. I would be honestly, I'd be so bad. Cause I like, again, TMI, but I pee so often, like I pee so much. I would be a terrible diver. I would, or like my suit would just be filled with pee. There's, there's some dives that are super long and I've had coworkers that have worn dry suits that didn't have a pee valve. And, and especially for, for women, cause it is harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wear diapers and they just, you know, piss themselves on the diapers and they've said it worked well. It didn't leak, but yeah, it's just not nice to Mm -hmm. in your own pee in a diaper (laughs) for like two hours. Uh, Rough. Yeah. Um, what other funky stories? I mean, I've, I barked it underwater in my regulator before. Um, oh my gosh. Does it get trapped? Like, I mean, so you're taught to, you're taught to just barf in your regulator because when you, when you barf, you kind of have this, um, natural instinct to like breathe back in. And so mm. obviously if your regulator is out, which supplies your air, then you're going to just swallow water. So you're supposed to keep your regulator in and barf through it and it'll purge out. Mm. And, you know, in theory it does, but it was, it was not a great experience. Yeah. It was, it was kind of scary, <laughs> I guess too. <laughs> Yeah. Dang. Okay. Following up on that. Um, what are you, cause you've lived in Ireland and then obviously you're from the States. So what are your three favorite things from where you're from and then three favorite things in Ireland? Um, I mean, California is just such an, uh, an amazing place. Um, there's just so much to see, you know, uh, along the, the massive coastline that we have, um, or the mountains or the forests, you know, I think that it is a really unique place to live because we do have it all not to be like 
all uppity about that, but like mm-hmm. there is pretty much everything that you would want here, which is really cool. So, I mean, I, I guess all of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that would be, that'd be California. Um, Mexican food is really good as well. Uh, I miss that when I was in Ireland, they mm-hmm. could not do Mexican food at all. Um, yeah, I feel like that, that would not be good. Or like sushi too. I feel like Ireland wouldn't have, I don't know if you like sushi, but like that, yeah, I, do. I feel like it wouldn't be good. Yeah. It was, it was all right there. I mean, yeah, no, I, I thought it was, it was fine. There were actually quite a few Asian people that, you know, had, you know, Asian restaurants there. So they, they are you mixed? Um, Sorry. Okay. If you're not, but are you mixed? Yeah. I'm, I'm half Chinese and half Portuguese. Oh, okay, cool. Do you speak any of the languages? Um, no, not really. I mean, I can, I can understand. So my grandmother speaks Portuguese, um, fluently. She, she grew up pretty much in Portugal. And so Mm -hmm. I can understand bits of her because I've taken Spanish in in school and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I understand, you know, some words here and there. I can't speak any Chinese. Uh, I can like Mm -hmm. count to 10 and stuff, but, um, yeah, it's, (laughs) it's a really, as you know, you know, it's a hard language and Mm -hmm. my parents tried to, had me take classes and it just did not go well. <laughs> I was no, not... me too. Me too. I was in um, Chinese school like every Saturday with my sister too. Oh. And people like the, um, the Chinese people would make fun of us because we looked different because we were like, we're obviously we're yeah. half French and we would just get bullied. <laughs> so we decided like not to go anymore. <laughs> so that's why I don't speak Chinese. I can count to 10 too, but like, that's about it. And are, do you speak Mandarin or Cantonese or speak? Uh, Cantonese, Cantonese, okay. yeah. yeah. I can count to 10 in Cantonese, so yeah. that's about it, yeah. Um, yeah, our, our family is, or I'm the same, I guess, our family is Cantonese or speak Cantonese. So yeah, I can count to 10 in that. And I, it was funny, the, the um, Chinese class that my parents had me take, I was, I think I was in middle school, like late middle school, and um, it was at our local rec center. So I show up and it was like five-year-olds in the class <laughs> and so I was coloring like dragons and tigers <laughs> with five-year-olds as you know a, what 13 year old oh no and so I got home and I was like so I'm not gonna go back and they're like no go a couple more times yeah. Uh, yeah and so like after a while they're like okay yeah you don't have to go to you know Chinese preschool pretty much <laughs> Mm-hmm. I know I regret it so much now because I feel like it would have been so valuable to speak Chinese, but. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's a hard language. Props to people who, you know, are able to learn it and stuff. It's, uh, totally. <laughs> not, it's not for me. Totally. Okay. Also, what are your three favorite things about Ireland? You said kind oh, yeah. of Cali because Cali's so great. The whole fucking thing <laughs> is amazing. So what about <laughs> Ireland? Um, <laughs> I really liked how, how small it was. Um, everything was very kind of doable there um you know you could go for a hike and go to like the highest peak in Ireland or you could you know you could drive anywhere within the day no problem um you know I mean obviously the roads were kind of not the best so it would take a while sometimes but um you you could go anywhere um which was really cool it's yeah it is so small and I liked how it reminded me of I guess a more liberal Midwest of the United States with like, yeah, definitely much more liberal though. So like very, very country feel, you know, there are obviously a lot of like farmers and and that, you know, nothing was too developed. So I don't know, the the stores were smaller. It it was just, it was nice. It was, it was quaint, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody knew everybody, which is kind of cool. 
Yeah. So I guess just generally, I really liked how, how small everything felt. And I, I think that that could also be a, a negative too, because sometimes it maybe was too small. Um, everybody does know everybody. But yeah, no, I, I think coming from a place that is so large to, to you know, going to Ireland, it was cool to see how, um, how small it was. And, and I, I think also living there in COVID was cool because everybody really embraced the kind of caring about your neighbor in a way culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're not like you're staying at home because you want to help everybody out. You're not staying at home because you just have to. It's because you want to you care about everybody else. And I think here, you know, people tend not to have that same mentality. People are more kind of self-centric. And I don't mean that in like, oh, you know, people in the United States only care about themselves, but it's just a different mentality. Totally, yeah. Okay, and very nice. And last question, Um, any advice or like, what would you tell, like you're 28 now, so what would you tell your maybe like 18 year old self before everything? It could be anything, it doesn't have to be with marine biology, but like any life advice. You know, that's such a, it's such a hard question because like, I, I think that, you know, as long as you're, you know, you're, you're trying your best and, and happy with what you're doing, um, you should just keep trying to do that. You know, it's, it's easy to get caught up trying to please other people um, or get caught up, you know, trying to compare yourself to other people, but just do what, what makes you happy and what, what, you know, you want to do, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess that's kind of it. And maybe fake it till you make it. That that's kind of <laughs> that's, that's a that's huge one. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much. <clears throat> oh my gosh, I got a little tickle in my throat. Let me try that one more time. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I really appreciate it. It was so great to learn more about yourself and also your story and like marine biology. So thank you again. And I can't wait to see what you do in this new year. And um, I can't wait to follow your photography as well. Thank you. Uh, it was my pleasure to be on here. And yeah, it was, it was great to great to meet you and talk with you. That was Keenan Chan. I will make sure to link his photography Instagram. His photos are insane. They're so beautiful. If you like this episode, please subscribe. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Instagram at Podcast. You know what to do. I'll see you next week.